friends and welcome to the Boozy Zoo. I'm Anna. I'm Nate. And I'm Julian. We're here to get shitty and talk about animals. Woo! Woo! Cheers to that. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, How's that gin swag over there? Oh, it's so much worse than I thought it would be. It's like warm. <laughs> oh. 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 Yeah, mine's pretty warm too, but mine is at least Bombay Sapphire. Nope. I got so it's good gym. I got Gordon's. It was less than twenty dollars. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> well, in the in the grand tradition of um, opening pink bottles of liquor yes. on our Valentine's Day episode, Valentine's Day. Get ready, listeners! It's Valentine's Day. Woo woo! Um, I am going to be opening this really interesting liqueur I bought from the liquor store. It oh, is yeah. local to Durham, North Carolina. It is one of four different liqueurs, special whatever, that this company made. This one is called Bebop. Can you say Bebop one it more has time? Bebop. <laughs> Bebop. Just, I'm sure that was someone's <laughs> ASMR trigger. <laughs> Bebop. No! That's a... You gave me those tingles, you bastard. Yes! For our listeners, uh, Anna spoke very closely into the microphone that Julian's Skype is connected to, but not the microphone that we're recording the podcast on. <laughs> yes, true facts. True so facts. sorry you missed that very sensual moment. Some look. I can, I can recreate it. I can recreate it. You ready? Oh my God. No. <laughs> we'll see if it works. Okay, I hope one of these takes Did you get good. the tingles? Um, yeah, so anyway, the, this is a tart and savory liqueur. Its ingredients are rhubarb, hibiscus, allspice, rosemary, chamomile, and coriander. That sounds incredible, actually. Yeah. That's a lot of leaf. <laughs> Many leaf. It does sound very good. And it's in one of those, like, fancy glass bottles that you get when you go to a fancy restaurant, and they know you're going to drink, like, seven gallons of water as a table, so they give you, like, a big bottle that's got the little stopper with yeah. the metal thing that you can open and close. <laughs> it's that, but just miniature. <laughs> it's a 375. Um, but so I have opened it. Ooh, and it made a nice little hissing sound that also did not caught get caught on our ASMR. We're a very bad ASMR podcast. It's okay. If we ever bought real, it smells mics. like spicy plant. <laughs> it smells like really spicy plant, and I'm down. Ooh, yeah. It's all right. Here we go. I'm gonna, I did not do a shot of it with everybody else because I didn't want it to come back up if it was bad. So <laughs> we're gonna do a little <laughs> sip test. Um, so this is the um, the other the other niche that the Boozy Zoo fills, which is a liquor review podcast only for Durham, North Carolina. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and um, Boston sometimes. Yeah, I guess we've expanded our market. No, nobody I know is listening to this. <laughs> hey, we also review drink mixes. We do. You know, we always say what we're drinking and whether we like it. For so. example, I am drinking uh, Gordon's Gin. Um, it is called gold, gold Emblem Tonic Water, which was on the bare, very bottom shelf at CVS. I think it was less than a dollar for 16 ounces of tonic. And um, just just some lemon, because I ran out of lime earlier tonight. So not as, not as interesting or essential experience for Valentine's Day. Kind of just getting the job done over here. You know, sometimes that's all you need out of a phallus. Oh, 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 oh. I mean a drink. <laughs> a drink. I'm making a truly just hideous face right now. Yep. Anyway, all right, let's taste this liquor. Cheers. 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 Mm. 
Well, yeah, that's that spicy plant. That's some good shit. <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous right now. I give it like a, I give it like a five out of ten as a standalone thing to sip, mm. but I think it would be better in a mixed drink. I'm yeah. gonna pour it into my gin and tonic. Oh, that's gonna be delicious. Okay, yep, so you guys, sure is. it's. I was making a joke about this being a liquor review podcast, but you seem to have leaned into it somewhat. Um, <laughs> Julian, if you can't do one thing well, you do many things sort of okay. We have bad ASMR, we have bad liquor review, now we're going to go to bad animal facts. Oh man, no, this is great. What other bad things? Let's keep on the lookout for other bad things we can spec into mid-episode. What's our other podcast? Our fourth podcast niche. What the mm. fuck are we talking about, Anna? <laughs> also, what the fuck are you drinking? Me? Besides this weird liqueur. Well, I am drinking uh, the classic LaCroix flavor, Pampelmousse. <laughs> uh, <laughs> otherwise known as Pamp. Otherwise known as Grapefruit. Um, I'm still on my not drinking very much uh, stint, so I will be providing even more clear. Uh, hmm, hmm, clarity of speech than normal, wow. but I just didn't do it. So, you know? <laughs> yep. But you know, I think I'm gonna put a little bit of this liqueur in my lacroix. Oh man, we're getting brunch drunk. Um, Let's do it. Br- yeah, and you know, the pamplemousse can is pink, so it fits with our theme. And now Nate's drink is pink, and you are getting the job done. Yep. So <laughs> I'm over here getting the job done. Uh, so what is our theme for Palestine's Day? Because, I mean, we could keep talking about cocks till the ends of time, but I think you mentioned you have something a little bit more interesting than just straight up penises for this Palestine's Day. Also, maybe we should that is preface true. that Palestine's Day refers to Valentine's Day, um, and it was just a funny pun that we came up with, and now since we're doing it twice, it's a tradition. True facts, true facts. Yeah. Um Yes, so I did have a neat idea in mind. Um, I figured we could touch on not just weird sex, or not just weird penises, but weird sex and weird types of sexual being, uh, weird weird modes or modalities of sex as a biological construct. Um, so, and, and by this you mean outside of, of the traditional human gender binary that we are sort of kept in by foibles of our being that many people eschew, correct? Love it. Yes. 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 <laughs> so, yes. Humans, you know, we have this thing called gender, which is based on societal expectations for what you act like based on what you have in your pants. Um, and that's kind of silly, but it's also kind of neat because we made it up, right? It's a thing that you, you can't have gender. <laughs> you can't have gender without a society, right? So, you know, maybe dolphins have gender or like maybe parrots have gender, but like we don't know. And so, so as, as we know, currently we are the only animals that have gender as opposed to just straight sex. Sex being um, also kind of nebulous to define, yeah, but absolutely. some combination of your genitalia, your sex chromosomes, um, your hormone expression throughout development, um, and other physical characteristics that determine wow, whether you're giving sperm or uh, growing growing egg. So would is um, sex also, in a biological definition, is sex also part of how you go about like your mating system is it how you is it how you interact with other members of your species is that considered part of sex or is that purely behavioral is that i guess i don't know some extension of sex sorry really philosophical to begin no that's great that's great i love it you know i'm not really sure i'm not a behaviorist i would assume it's 
classified under like mating behavior. Okay. Um, because I would say that most, so most of an animal's life um, is going to be either raising young, looking for a mate or mating. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's kind of hard to separate out sex in the same way that we can as humans, because we are not spending all of our lives doing that. I think that most people would argue that that is all behavior. Mm. And yes, organisms with penises and organisms with vaginas or whatever may do other, do different things, but that's based on the underlying biology and it's, it doesn't transcend that into a different term. Did I make you more confused? No, 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 no. I I, I completely stopped listening. (laughs) No, it's really interesting, man. But let's, but you didn't come here for dissections of the definitions of sex and gender and their influence on biological expectations of behavior. You came for some weird sex. (laughs) So let's get to the weird sex. (laughs) What have we got? I heard the word penis fencing bandied around. Yeah. So this, this, this was, Julian, your segue was, it was a good lead in. Um, And the reason it was a good lead-in is because we're going to talk about things that fall outside of our binary understanding of how these things work. Um, Now, that's not to say that it doesn't exist in human society, right? We have intersex individuals in human society who have some sex characteristics from that are male and some sex characteristics that are female. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can talk all day about their erasure from history and whatnot. Um, But we are going a little one step beyond that. Um, with today's talk, because we're going to talk about organisms that can or are both the giver of sperm and the receiver of sperm. So an entire intersex species, kind of. Right. Well, I don't. You know, I don't know. So the word intersex is not just used yes, to describe. No. The word intersex normally. is purely humanistic, but it, yes, it, we're talking about purely hermaphroditic species. Right. So yeah, let's talk about that word hermaphrodite. Right. Let's, so that was a term. That, first of all, it's really cool because the Greek root, it's one of the offspring of Hermes and Aphrodite, and they had two kids, and neither of them were functional because they were so horny. What? Have you heard these stories? Okay, um, so our fifth niche, I think, is a mythology <laughs> podcast. Go! Oh, good. I'm ready. I'm ready. So, so um, in Greek mythology, the two horniest of the Greek gods are Hermes, Hermes and, and Aphrodite. Aphrodite. Yeah. Hermes god so, of everything and Aphrodite god of having tits and classical art. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Um, so I, I don't remember one whether... So they only had... Most of the Greek gods fucked each other so much that there's 76,000 demigods, right? <laughs> and 76,000 weird gods that Zeus begat with so-and-so, right? Yeah, hence Percy Jackson. And yeah. whatnot. <laughs> yeah, hence Percy Jackson. Exactly, exactly. Um, but so Hermes and Aphrodite only ever fucked twice. And the first time they fucked, they had a really ugly kid with a huge dick. Like, like just massive <laughs> dick. Um, so that's verbatim out of like Homer. Yes, yeah, Homer yes. wrote that down. <laughs> I think they say he has like the dick the size of like a war stallion or something. Like, no. like it's it's descriptive. Yeah. Homer. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and so that that was kind of like it was kind of like if masculinity went too far, but like he wasn't able to like have sex because his dick was so big. So it was almost like. This idea, this like kind of like bastardization of male sexuality, um, and then they had another child. What? Yeah, yeah, and and then they had another child the second time they fucked, 
And I don't remember whether this child's name was hermaphrodite or not. Um, it might have been the term used to describe both of the children. Um, so other mythological scholars, um, come come get me on that one. But um, the second child was like also technically biologically male, but was very effeminate. Um, so it was kind of like the perversion of femininity in that the person was super, super feminine, but they weren't the ultimate woman because they had a penis. Um, so it's, we could talk all day about the implications of that means for, for, uh, Greek yeah. society that when huh. the two horniest gods fuck, they like make the most like, uh, strange or weird or whatever versions of each of the sexual or each of the, the genders. Which is like a very, uh, very much a commentary on their ridiculous. Like their their weird pre Christian society, they're like two thousand six hundred year old weird gender norms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty fucked. It's pretty interesting. Mm. Um, but but we're but not so a sociology the, the word... podcast. That would be a bridge too right. far. <laughs> That'd be this be too many. So, but the the point of that story was that that word has been passed down from the Greek to represent someone who has both sex characteristics or someone who exists in this in this space. Because once again, biologists love naming things after weird Greek and Roman nothing. Like Yes. That's our exactly. whole jam as biologists. Yep. <laughs> yep. Guys, I'm I'm getting a call from our lawyer, Alan Bergman. <laughs> yeah. He says we are contractually obligated to talk about some animals now. <laughs> Ugh. You know, I didn't, I missed hearing from him for six months, but now I I think he's kind of overstaying his welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so hermaphroditic organisms ha- either have both sets of genitalia or have the capability to switch between whether they are producing sperm or producing eggs or have some characteristics of both. Um, but it, but it generally implies the ability to switch which gamete you're producing. Which gamete? And that can be at different... You mean? Gamete, I mean sex cell. Um, so okay. either sperm or egg. Mm-hmm. Your haploid gamete or your diploid gamete? You only have haploid so gametes. Close. But but so, so close. close but so close. So close. Yep. I tried. <laughs> yeah, so for uh, viewers at home, we remember, I'm sure we've mentioned at some point, but haploid means you have one set of chromosomes and diploid means you have two. So all of the cells in your body... Listeners have two sets of each chromosome, and they are diploid, except for either your eggs or your sperm, which have one set. But please... Um, and so when you combine two haploids, you make a diploid. But please tell us about the penis fencing. Yes. <laughs> so, sorry. Thank you for keeping me on track. The classic, classic hermaphroditic species is the snail. The Wait. I... The snail. Sorry, go... The snail. Gastro, gastropoda, which we learned about in the Evo Devo episode. The snail. Yes. The snail, yes. Just like a regular run-of-the-mill snail? Yep. Every Some snail. fucking snail? Any fucking snail yep. on the planet? Any fucking snail. Yep. Joe Snail. Uh, yep. <laughs> Joe Snail from Snailstown, snail. Kansas. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so um, the other thing here that it's important to remember that I know we've referenced in the past is that it's very energetically um, taxing to actually produce eggs. Um, so you have to remember that if you're a hermaphrodite, it's beneficial to be the one making the sperm Mm, because you're investing a lot less energy into those gametes, but getting the same amount of genetic payoff from them. Yeah. So most species that are hermaphroditic, um, have some sort of competition or, um, race 
to see which of the mating pair is going to be the sperm donor and which is going to be the sperm receiver. So a, a snail race? I thought that was like a just a mythological hyperbolic <laughs> a snail race. You're talking about a snail race right now? What are they what are they well, doing to each other though? Penises. Right. So because they're hermaphrodite, they can produce sperm yeah. kind of whenever triggered. And so basically what happens is one of the snails in the whatever will have, will make the sperm first and then it will shoot it at other snails like, in like, kind of a projectile. Like, like apropos like, of You might nothing? call it a penis. Well, it's, I, th- I believe they have a mating season like everything else does. I, be- I mean, they, they're, they're, they mate on a cycle. So when they become sexually mature, whoever matures first is going to shoot somebody else just, with this sperm packet protrusion. So they just start jacking off on people? Yeah. Yeah, I basically. I porn of this. I, they're, I, I don't know if they're snail porn. <laughs> oh don't ask me God. these questions. Oh, but that's terrible, I'm though. At, but it is, but it's, a, it's a race to see who can produce sperm the earliest, essentially, in their mating season. And then basically they just yeah. run around jacking off on people because, like, I don't have to, I don't have to produce eggs if I just jack off on somebody fast enough. Yes. So whoever comes first gets to be the guy. No. Yes. You can't so... say that. <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> it's kind of true. Um, uh, except I'm... sometimes, but if you tie, then you both have to be the girl. What? <laughs> I had a narrative here. What are you talking about? <laughs> if you both come on each other at the same time, then you both have to get pregnant. Yes. Literally, yes. So just any 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 snail sperm that touches a snail becomes a fertilized egg? Kinda. Yeah. What? Yeah. In, in, so in a sort of roundabout a, way. Yeah. So <laughs> so they they have both sexual organs. Yeah. And they're on the kind of bottom front of their body. Yeah. So some of them just always reciprocal mate. Yeah. So some of them just always come on each other and then they both carry offspring. Okay. Um, but some of them don't. <laughs> and they shoot, they, they call them darts. Oh, so they come. they shoot these like love darts. They don't call of, them like, abs- cum darts. They're cum darts though? No, they're called darts. But they have what, are cum they cum? in them. Yeah. 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 So they're cum darts, is what you're saying. No. We've yeah. been called out before for talking a lot about cum. They're cum darts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, on Valentine's Day, you're gonna get a lot of cum talk. We can say cum darts on Valentine's Day. <laughs> I'll put a disclaimer at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> Earning that oh, NSFW tag <laughs> every damn week. <laughs> oh god. Um, yeah. So so the ones that shoot darts full of semen, uh, they you can say that, it too, Anna. Of, okay, fine. I already said it. Fine. Come darts. Uh, <laughs> they they then it's a race, and so it's whoever gets shot first has to bear those offspring so it's like so it's not necessarily that the first one is exempt or immune right like they all have both genitalia Mm -hmm. so one one intrepid entrepreneur could get there first and inseminate five other snails but then someone else could come up 
to that one and inseminate it, right? Like, it's very, uh, it's very kind of free-for-all. But you also have to remember that they move really slow. I, I really so. don't like that you used the word entrepreneur there. <laughs> I know, as if, as if early, your cum darts are a commodity. Which they, they are. are. Also, they kind commodity. of are. Also, I want to just let our listeners know that Julian just stirred his drink with his finger. Whatever! <laughs> I'm getting the job done! Okay, so... <laughs> the only other thing that is even, like, vaguely stirrer-shaped is Cleo's glasses, and I will not do that to her. <laughs> I'm, I'm recording in a bedroom, listeners. Give me a break. <laughs> Julian's tagline for this episode is getting the job done. <laughs> Give me a fucking break. I'm getting the job done. <laughs> Julian 2K19. <laughs> oh, it's too real. Okay, but so when I heard penis fencing, I immediately thought of flatworms, which okay. infamously in high school, I saw a video, a YouTube video, I think, of in like early YouTube of uh, flatworms that each like grew penises and whoever was punctured first, they were inseminated. Do snails do sure. that shit? Um, I don't think they puncture, no. Um, Good. I think that they each have an opening and a, uh, they, they've got a both bits, I believe. But but you can- I mean, they're very rudimentary. But you but. can confirm my, my like, vague understanding of animal biology by saying that flatworms do do that. They have, like, a literal yeah. contest where the first one whose skin gets pricked by a dick then has to have the babies. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. They do, like, the bamboo torture, but with their dicks. Oh, my God. Oh! Okay. I was hoping that was something I made up, and I'm sad that it's not- <laughs> Yes, they do bamboo torture with their dicks. Oh, That's God. <laughs> no. Life is not it's, good it's for really, a flatworm. Let's call it fencing. Can we call it fencing? We can call it fencing. It is fencing. Epe makes it sound very, like, uh, high society when it is just, like, <laughs> bamboo sticks. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Um, yes, no, so there are some animals um, even less uh, complex, I guess, than the snail that do grow a grow a dick and have a have a penis fencing contest. Yeah, um, yeah. It is it is interesting to note that the more uh, specialized an animal gets, the harder it is to maintain both genitalia. Right. What? So developmentally. What? Wait. Go back. What? <laughs> like, there's no mammals that are hermaphrodites. There's no there's no vertebrates that are hermaphrodites. No. Really? None. Yeah. None whatsoever. Not I don't even, think so. Not even platypi? No. I mean, not <laughs> they're, weird. they're weird enough. They could be carrying an extra set of genitals that we just don't know about. They're basically a black box <laughs> yeah, I, to science. I just assume that if any mammal is different than all the other mammals in some particular way, it's probably a platypus. Yeah, it's, it's monotreme. <laughs> but not even they have m multiple sets of genitalia? <laughs> no, no. I am unaware of a single chordate that has multiple sets of genitalia. That's why it's improper to use the word hermaphrodite to describe anything that we would term in a human terms intersex. Because intersex individuals don't have both in the way that a snail does, mm. right? They don't have two sets of genitalia. They have one set of genitalia that is somewhere in between what is traditionally viewed as female and what is traditionally viewed as male. So there are, there are intersex individuals throughout 
the chordates, and somebody might incorrectly refer to them as hermaphrodites. But hermaphrodites, in the animal sense, specifically refers to switching sex or having both, something like that. So on the scale of a whole species. Yeah. So what's our other example then? If it's not, if it's not flatworms, what's what else is a hermaphrodite? What are we talking about? Oh, I think clams are hermaphrodites. Um, that would make sense. They're oh, you know, basic. I've just had a thought. I've just had a thought. Technically, there are fish, clownfish. They might technically be. They technically might be hermaphrodites. No, because I know there so, are there are fish that switch genders depending on pH or depending on. I know we've talked about this before, but there are fish that can that that whose eggs are incubated at a different temperature or whatever can switch um, sex basically. Well, so I don't know if that would count, but there are fish species, including clownfish, where if there's a strong environmental uh, cue, like you said, like pH or something, or something where there's a there's a population die off. Um, they will switch sex in the middle of their life cycle to help rebuild the population. So, um, like, there's there's a really gross meme that goes around sometimes about finding Nemo. Oh, no. Um, yeah, where clownfish, if because they're so localized on anemones, um, it's kind of hard for them to find mates sometimes. You know, they can't really swim between reefs very well. So if a clownfish's mate dies, occasionally one, if there are offspring, occasionally one of the offspring who is still hanging around will switch sex from male to female no. if there are no females and the male will mate with it mm-hmm. yeah no yeah no you yeah, yeah real life finding nemo is not the uh, heartwarming tale I can't that the movie would have you believe i can't watch finding nemo again i'm sorry i just oh no every single line that nemo ever says i'm a mad oh god Sorry I did this to you. Oh, I'm shattered. Oh, God, I'm going through the actual... I mean, not all. Not all. Hashtag not all clownfish. Not all clownfish. <laughs> not Nemo. Not my boy. Not Nemo. Not Nemo. Not, not the boy. boy who I grew up with. Nemo has Disney magic to protect him. Precisely. But then um, what else are we other talking fish, about? Yeah. Well, other fish who are not Nemo, um, such as, I think, like, bass do it. There's some weird fish that have, like, weird mating systems where there's, like, an alpha male... Uh, the females, and then there's these things called sneaker males that, that I mean, disguise themselves. We've talked about we've sneaker talked about males, this. yeah. Yeah. So there's another <laughs> variant of that where the sneaker male, like, isn't actually a male. Um, the sne- sneaker male is, um, they're basically just females, but some individuals in the population, if the alpha male dies, will switch sex to be male. So what's your, it's like, I was going to say it's like as you like it, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a that's an incorrect. Oh, that's our seventh specialty. So our special seventh specialty is Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> no, we no. can't do Shakespeare. <laughs> I um, refuse. Yeah, yeah. So, so technically, those you might consider fish like that to be hermaphrodites. Um, but other than that, most of the the hermaphroditic species are mollusks. Um, so clams are, can be hermaphrodites. Um, like we said, snails. Uh, I think there's a couple other things in that phylum. Nope. Maybe class gastropoda, no, phylum gastropoda. <laughs> Sorry. Order, um, whatever. That, that, <laughs> that are also hermaphroditic as well as, um, less complex creatures like flatworms. Um, I believe earthworms are also hermaphroditic oh really Um, earthworms yeah those chunky sections are their ovaries and i think they have testes wait also in there 
So what you're saying is right below my feet right now, some earthworms are like getting it on? Yeah, I think so. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Just wanted to make sure that I yeah. how, understood. How, how does earthworm sex work? Oh, dude, I don't know. I don't know about it. Let me look it up. <laughs> I have to assume that it's similar to flatworm sex in that like nobody wants it and it's sort of painful, but like their brains are just so small that it becomes a biological imperative at some point in their lives and they're just like, gotta stab somebody with whatever I've got going on in this weird ring part of me that I totally thought was like I a turtleneck. I don't think they stab people. I totally thought it was like a little turtleneck based on <laughs> Gary Larson's There's a uh, There's a Hair in My Dirt, a good book for children about the way ecology works that I read as a child. <laughs> but uh, I guess that's their but junk. And Faustine's Day has destroyed everything that I loved. Again. <laughs> their turtleneck is actually their junk. <sighs> Well, I'm happy to report that earthworms do not stab each other. Thank God. So what they do is they 69 instead. No! <laughs> they, only only for only, them it's more of an 11. Yeah, they 11. Uh -huh. I hate you um, both so much. <laughs> <laughs> they, they align, they line up next to each other with their heads facing in opposite directions. Okay. And then they exchange sperm packets, basically, with each other. But they have Sorry. basically... It's all holes. You said sperm packets, and I think what you meant was cum darts? Yeah, they're not darts, though. They're, it might just straight up... They might just straight up come, in, come on each other. Basically, they lay next to each other. They're slimy. They come on each other, and then this, they have slime tubes that direct the sperm into their uh, female reproductive organs, where they then create earthworm babies. Um, we're... <laughs> Can, can we talk about another group of hermaphroditic organisms that are way less gross? Yes, please. Okay, are you guys ready to journey to a place in this podcast we've never journeyed before? Oh my god, what does Where it mean? We are leaving the kingdom of Animalia. Oh, I'm so not oh, ready boy. for this. And we're entering kingdom... Archaea? No. Oh, dang it. I know more about Kingdom Archaea than I do about Kingdom Plantae. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yes, listeners, we're going to be talking about plants. Oh, plants. Shit. Plants. But Anna, our listeners say, plants aren't animals. <laughs> <laughs> sure fucking aren't. But they have weird sex. They do. So, all the so for a minute, for a minute, we're going to turn into the boozy arboretum. <laughs> Our seventh niche. <laughs> <laughs> um, Boozy botanical. Sorry, I got, I have two degrees that both say plants in the title. I need to like protect a little bit of my credentials here. As a botanist, plants do have weird sex. However, I will defer to Anna because in both of my degrees, I didn't study a lot of plants somehow. <laughs> I know a Did you study like bit. one plant? particular plant a lot i worked in a lab that studied carex which is like the most boring grass sorry sedge the most boring sedge you'll ever run into <laughs> and then i was in a fish lab and now i'm in a lab that studies people so like i don't know why i did plants as hard as i did <laughs> but go on please well, i'm excited to hear about these yes. plants that i totally know everything about <laughs> Well, the main thing for our listeners to comprehend, I guess, is that plants either 
can be sexed or by the whole plant. So one whole plant will only produce male sex organs and one whole plant will only produce female sex organs. Monozygotic. Or, yep, or a plant will only produce male sex organs, like a male flower and a female flower, but they can have both on the same plant. But each flower individually only has one set of sex organs. Or all of the flowers on the plant can have both sets of sex organs. So basically what you're introducing at this point is a another degree of sex that we don't have as people. You can either be... Right. You can be monozygotic or heterozygotic and you can have... I mean, you, if you can have multiple genitalias in different places, you can sort of customize each genitalia which is a crazy thing to think about from a from a uh, animal centric perspective but as a plant person like totally you would have male cones and female cones or like totally you would have male flowers and female flowers if you could because it's really advantageous to have both if you don't give a shit and you don't invest any energy in your offspring yeah so for a plant the question is of the many genitals i have all over my body are they all the same or are they a mix or are they all the same, but they're, they are all both. Exactly. Right. Precisely. <laughs> yeah. And then this is compounded or confounded, I guess, maybe, whichever, by the fact that some plants can mate with themselves. Selfing. Which in the plant world is called, yep, selfing. <laughs> That's a surprisingly straightforward name for scientists to have chosen. Yep. Plant scientists are weird because we have to deal with so many different common names. Like, there are probably 800 common names per single plant. Um, so we try, to, we try to keep it tight as far as vocabulary goes, generally. You've, you've got enough on your plate without making more work for yourself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we have a lot to yeah. do. Nobody gives a shit about plants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so plants... Um, Especially plants with perfect flowers. So I'm going to introduce more terminology. So flowers that have both sets are called perfect flowers. <laughs> and flowers that only have one set are called imperfect flowers. So, so the other cool thing about botanists is it got really big in the 1850s when people sucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So if you are a perfect flower and you have both sets, Yuck. and a bee comes in there to drink your nectar. Yuck. Um... It's really easy for your own female reproductive organs to receive pollen from your same male reproductive organ. Um, sure. So sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't uh, because some plants are pollinated by wind. Some plants are pollinated by different sorts of organisms that aren't quite as like big as a big old bumblebee where it's just kind of buzzing around and getting pollen everywhere, right? Maybe they're pollinated by something a little bit smaller and more specific and so you don't have that risk. Um, but plants, we won't go into the genetics of plants, but a plant selfing is not as genetically detrimental as it would be if a human were just cranking out copies of itself for various reasons. Um, but so many plants just make little clones and they're totally viable and totally legit. Hmm. Yeah. And they don't have like weird genetic problems by virtue of not having genetic diversity. Yeah. I mean, they don't, they don't really. So first of all, if you're making both sets of gametes, you're still having different genetic material in each of those gametes, even though it's coming from you. It's still, there is still a little bit of variation. So okay. when those smooch together and you're doing crossing over and stuff, like if you were to make a hundred clones, quote unquote clones, because you're doing it with a two gamete system, they're not all going to have the same genetic material exactly. So there's a little bit of that. And then plants also do this weird thing where they can just double their uh, chromosome number. It's really cool. <laughs> it's very cool. Like it. 
<laughs> um, how? You know, uh, Julian knows this one. Yeah, it's actually a fun thing. It res It's from a, like, non-disjunction event. So typically when you make a gamete, you split your chromosome halves and one half goes into a gamete and the other half goes into a gamete. But plants, you know, like, they have so much genetic material to give into reproduction, by which I mean, like, plants just fucking make seeds. They don't even have to invest nine months into creating a baby or whatever. Mm. They just make seeds because they can. Yeah. And whichever ones survive is great for them. So um, evolutionarily, sometimes having a gamete that just like did not, um, did not break into an actual gamete is really good for them. And we really don't understand a lot of why it happens, except that it, it creates changes in the dosage effects. So like you get double the proteins because you have double the amounts of genome, basically because you're a uh, tetraploid individual when you should be a diploid, which is like you have four sets of chromosomes when you should only have two. And apparently that's a really good way to respond to stress. Like we find a lot more tetraploids in like uh, roadside ditches where it's like a lot more stressful for them to live. And not a lot of people study that, which is really crazy to me. I did my entire thesis on tetraploidy and associations between like bacteria and tetraploidy. And not a lot of people are very interested in why the fuck that happens, but plants can just do it because they need to sometimes. <laughs> I, and I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not fucking around with you either. Like I am an expert on plant tetraploidy and a lot of people don't know why it happens where it happens, or really how it, why it goes down. <laughs> That's nuts. It's nuts. If you, but, but it also proves. It makes nuts. It does make nuts. <laughs> I got one. <laughs> uh. Sorry, continue on your, no, your that Julian was it. story, Julian. Okay. Julian, do you want to break off and do a plant podcast without Anna? Hey. Absolutely not. I know nothing about plants. <laughs> Oh my uh, god. Happy Valentine's Day, one and all. I got to tell a story. Do we have a kitty corner? Do we have a kitty corner for this beautiful and joyous Valentine's Day? I have uh like a, a very vague kitty corner. Do it. We've we're all about Go those. Go for it. We need we need it. I heard a thing on the news. There is a cat. <laughs> Auspicious somewhere start. in the world. Yeah. A cat somewhere in the world uh, was brought, was, um, it was left outside in the cold. You know, we had the polar vortex. Very uh, recently, yes, in 2019. And it was very cold. And this cat was, was left outside in the polar vortex. And it got very cold and it, it sort of froze. No. But it, the, the owners found it and they brought it to the vet. And the vet managed to warm it up in such a way that the cat made a full recovery. <gasps> And the frozen little kitty sickle is is now doing well. And the title of this news story so was Very Cold Boy Gets Warm Very Good. Yes. Yes. That is now canon. Good. Excellent and so good. good. I'm so happy a cat has been warmed. <laughs> okay. Well, this has been lovely. Lovely Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's um, Day, one and all. We, we talked, like, very, very briefly about phalluses, but you know, it's the thought that counts. Like, you know, really, with with phalluses, I feel that it's quality over quantity. Oh, my God. You know, last Valentine's Day, you could argue that we talked about too many phalluses. I think not enough, honestly. <laughs>
I would respectfully disagree. (laughs) (laughs) I think this year was a very good amount of phalluses. Real quick, wait, oh Anna, can you can you do a lightning yeah. round for me just to indulge my yes. my my deep need for more phalluses here? Yes. Just three lightning round of phalluses. Yeah, lightning round of phalluses. Hit me with three good phalluses before we close. Okay. Can they be phallus facts? Sure. Okay. Number one, most mammals have retractable penises. Yuck. So we don't. I mean, we do kind of, but like not as much as most animals. Okay, do. Just, like so, they just lightning round, lightning round into their torso. Yeah, lightning. Okay. Uh, number two, um, birds and reptiles, um, sh- like, shit and pee and inseminate slash be inseminated in the same hole. Very, it's called a cloaca. Very cool. Space efficient. Third. Yep. Um, <laughs> sometimes... Uh, you got it? It's all you? Oh, I got one. I got one. Can it be a sperm fact? <laughs> yeah. Okay, sperm has a really interesting chemical makeup. It's, it's like, got, like, a matrix structure almost. Um, sorry, not sperm, cum. Cum has a, sorry, it's not a sperm fact, it's a cum fact. Um, cum has a really interesting matrix structure to it. Um, and they think that the HIV virus, like, exploits the matrix structure of cum to, like, spread itself more effectively. Um, and so there was some, I read some paper about some crazy, like, drug trial that was, like, not messing with anything, except it was, like, messing with, like, kind of the quality or the properties of of the, the uh, recipient of the drugs come. And they thought that they could stop the what? spread of HIV just by messing with this, the structure, molecular structure of cum. So it's the intrinsic properties of cum, not the HIV yeah. itself. Right, because if they took away the evolved, like, if they took away the structure, the HIV, like, couldn't... Like, I don't, it was something about, like, how the matrix, like, interfaces with the the lining that, okay. and, like, something about, like, absorption. It was insane. You've, you failed the lightning round by telling a fact that took about 20 <laughs> minutes, but that's incredible, Sorry. and I'm going to look it up after this is over. <laughs> oh. I don't think it ever went to clinical trial, but it was a neat idea. It was a really cool <laughs> idea, and that's important. And science needs more cool ideas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, oh. this has been wonderful. I've had and, fun. Um, I've had a great time. <laughs> and you know when you hear from us next, we might be talking about weird bugs. We might be talking about who knows? We- Maybe we'll talk about... We'll do another boozy arboretum. We yeah, we might talk about plants. It might be a completely different podcast. We might talk about Shakespeare. We might be drinking tea, <laughs> speaking British accents instead. Who knows? This is this is our Who playground. Knows? Thank you for electing to play with us once again. <laughs> and if you'd like to stay up to date on whatever our next episode is, you can uh, follow us uh, on Twitter at the boozy zoo. You can get on our Tumblr at drunkmargay.com.tumblr.com, but I don't know who's there because there's no more porn on Tumblr, guys. Happy Valentine's Day. There's no porn on Tumblr. Oh, and you can also, if you have requests or if you want to yell at us when we get things wrong, like we do every episode, every episode, please shoot us an email. Shoot us a little cum dart over at. Oh God, no! <laughs> no, we don't want your cum darts. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Maybe I want the listeners to come back. Our fucking emails the boozy zoo at gmail.com. Yes. We need your cum darts. Don't send cum darts. (laughs) 
We need your cum darts for power. <laughs> I'm Anna. I'm Nate. And I'm Julian, and I've had so much gin. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Drink up. Bitches! You guys did that backwards. Oh, do I say drink up? Yeah. Whatever! <laughs>